Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. The chances are that most of you listening to this show will have seen the movie Senna. And I'm pretty sure that if you've not seen it yet, then I won't be spoiling it too much if I tell you that there's a moment in the film where Ayrton is asked who he considers to be his greatest racing rival. Many of us are expecting him to say Mansell or Patrese or, of course, Alain Prost. But he doesn't give that credit to them and instead says that the person who he enjoyed racing against most and was the toughest to beat was someone he shared a track with in his early karting days in Britain. His name? Terry Fullerton. I met Terry at the British Grand Prix last year and I asked him how he felt about what Senna had said. It feels great. It's wonderful he said it. You know, I, I kind of knew he had a fair bit of respect for me. You know, I had a fair bit of respect for him as well, remember, but I knew he respected me. You know, he was young when we raced. He was 17, 18, 19. I was 24, 25, 26 with more experience than he had at the time. So I tended to have the edge on him most of the time, but we had a great three years as teammates and then he went on to do some wonderful things in Formula One and it's great that he remembered his karting days, which he obviously did very fondly, and he seemed to remember me as well back, uh, you know, well, then what would it be? It would be something like 15 years earlier than he actually made the comment. When did you first hear that Senna had made that statement? Is this something you've known for a long time? Has it only emerged since the movie? Yeah, I knew he said it not long after he did actually say it in Adelaide because I've got a friend who was the editor of an Australian magazine and he was actually at the conference and he told me. So, yeah, I knew at the time, but then, of course, you forget about it over the years and I heard in the middle of 2010, I believe it was, that the film had been shown in... In Japan and I appear at the end of this new Santa film so yeah that was a little bit of a shock and then of course I went to see the film it's even more of a shock. So. How has it changed things for you? Do people respond differently to you now? Mm, I, I suppose in motor racing circles yeah a little different they do. I'm given more respect than I was given before. I tended to be just treated as some old guy who used to race and a bit of a fat old fella you know but um, <laughs> fat old bloke who used to race but now it is different I, I'm sort of put under the heading of the guy that Senna most respected as a racing driver or something along those lines so yeah things have changed a little bit you know, I have to say in, in my professional life anyway yeah. in what way what's happening I'm a driver coach for kids in karting so there's more interest from people outside karting in the formulas it's kind of filtering down have you rebranded your training programme as approved by Ayrton Senna well no but I could probably do that couldn't yeah. I but I no we wouldn't argue yeah, no I read an article actually that says something like that right at the very end of it if you want to be the best get taught by the best and Ayrton Senna would endorse that so it's done me no harm at all and I've thoroughly enjoyed the experience of the last few months as well being on TV and being in the papers and you know being a little bit famous in my old age you know it's great How come you're here at the Virgin Weekend here because of the showing of the film that you were invited along by what the movie people? No actually the Virgin Formula One team invited me to come and I know a few guys that work in the team Mark Hines in particular He's got a karting background Yes yes I actually taught Mark he was one of my pupils for a year a long time ago and he's gone on to be a great driver coach as well He's making his living in Formula One now. But yeah, that was how it started. He just phoned up and said, Will I come along? They're showing the film and be around for the weekend. They give me a pass and look after me. So that's why I'm here. Yeah. As a racing fan, I watched that film and I can name. I don't know, probably 60% of the people who appear on screen, many of them are still in Formula 1 at the moment, but aside from yourself, there are many others who make great marks early on in their career, but never get to this kind of worldwide level of fame that Senna achieved and many of the F1 drivers today. Some of that now 
is rubbing off on you because of the power of the film, mm-hmm. because of the power of the legend mm-hmm. of Senna, and because of the influence you clearly had mm-hmm. on Senna. Is that a responsibility you now have? Has that changed how you feel about your position in motor racing? Because it's like getting an MBE when you're 90. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not quite 90 yet. <laughs> no, I, I can I, see I mean, it's, it's looming on the horizon. <laughs> no, really. What age are you now? I'm 58. Ah. <laughs> I think I hear going to be 51 or 52 if yes, he was alive. Yes, I think he's a year older yeah. than me. It's a pity he's not standing here with us now, isn't it? actually? Yeah, I'm yeah. But anyway, I suppose no, I don't really feel a responsibility. Although maybe I do. I'm not really sure, to be quite honest. I mean, yeah, things have changed a little bit in my professional life. There's no doubt about that, but only in a good way, not in a bad way. So, in terms of recognition, that's the other thing. As a racing driver, you're striving for recognition to be on that top yeah, podium. That's, that's true. And, yeah. and is this the recognition you always wanted, or would you rather have been a world champion a thousand uh, times? I don't know, really. I mean, it's hard, hard to quantify any of that stuff. I'm very glad he said it. I'm very glad I'm getting the associated acclaim with it, without flexing my ego too much. I'd like to think I deserve it, and I'm very glad he said it. Who else would you want to endorse your driving credentials? You know, high praise. So indeed. you know, from Ayrton Senna. So it's fantastic that he said it. I'm very glad he said it. I've got very good memories of our time together. I've got massive respect for him as a driver and as a person, and everything he did in Formula One. You know, he was a true racing driver and deserved all the acclaim he's got and deserves to be held in very high esteem from all the motor racing fraternity. And you beat him how many times? I'm not sure, I never really counted, actually. We were teammates, and generally I had the edge on him. That was the way it panned out, really. So I would have out-qualified him. We probably raced each other maybe 12 or 14 times. If that was the case, which I'm not exactly sure, but if it was, I'd have probably out-qualified him 8 or 9 or 10 times. Definitely a big advantage on the out-qualifying. I probably beat him 6, 7 times. He may have beat me two or three times but then I always seem to break engines and things like that so he beat me a few times when I broke engines but he beat me a couple of times where I didn't break engines as well but generally I did have the edge on him but I have seven eight years more experience than him if I was going to endorse anybody in the world as a driver then it would have been him now it would be him the people he was racing in Formula One if you ask me what I thought about those people I wouldn't be saying the same things as I would about Ayrton yeah he was special he was special I'm sure you get asked the same question over and over again now since the release of the movie. What's the one question about your relationship with Senna or what this movie has done for your life that you wish people asked they don't? There's nothing really I wish people would ask me. All I could say is that if someone had asked me before any of this cropped up who did I think was the best driver I ever drove against, I would have said Ayrton Senna. And they'd have said, why maybe? And it was because... He had this drive and determination and an unshakable self-belief, even though he sometimes perceived the world to be working against him, etc., uh, etc. Et but for me, he was just the best driver. And, like, you know, there's names bandied around about other people that were great drivers who I've raced against as well, and I wouldn't even put them in the same category as Ayrton personally. You know, other people would, I, I wouldn't. For me, he's the greatest driver of my generation, and up to this point in time, I would say he's the greatest driver I've ever known or seen. So. And I think just about everyone at this event here today who are knowledgeable F1 fans would agree with that he mm-hmm. probably was the, the most gifted yeah. most determined yeah. driver who changed the, the way Formula 1 is won mm-hmm. I'm privileged to shake the hand of a man who the world's greatest driver thinks was his best ever competitor yeah, yeah. it's a privilege for me as well it's very nice he said it and thanks for talking to me Terry thank you yeah, very okay, much no, indeed appreciate that Gareth Jones on speed interviews Another interview I've saved was recorded around a campfire on a Sunday evening 
at the Le Mans 24 Hours three years ago. Sog and I were sharing a beer with some other motoring journalists, one of whom, Tim Pollard from Car Magazine, told us the story of how it came about that he'd been enlisted as a member of the Aston Martin team to work in their garage during the race. Four of us at Car Magazine were going to come along to Le Mans this year. I've never been before in my life, and I was like, hmm, quite fancy a bit of that. And so books it in early, because I've got two young children, these things need planning in advance. Yes. And I mentioned this to somebody at Aston Martin. So you, you deal with Aston Martin through your relationship yeah, with Car exactly. Magazine, yes. you know, you do business, so I, you I get their PR. news yeah. and all that sort of thing. And they said to me, well, you know, oh, we're going to try something new this year and take a couple of people along. Would you like to be one of them? And I was like, uh, yes. <laughs> so I thought, why not? Why not go along? And totally new to me. But then I didn't quite realise what I was taking on. I actually ended up being embedded in their pit crew. I use the phrase on Twitter like an embedded war correspondent. I got shot down for this. That's a bad pun. Um, <laughs> I didn't mean that. Um, <laughs> it was very good, though. <laughs> yeah, it's not like fighting the war, but we were actually, you know, deep in there and working in the pit. Doing what exactly? I was pit change. People come along, car comes in, guns go up, wheels come off, fuel in, and that moment on, once the wheels were off the car, we were basically wheeling them out, taking them out the back. They were sort of being tested for pressure and temperature they have another embedded person from Michelin is actually in the back of a pit garage and he sticks the prod in there test for temperature and it's all written on in chalk we then wheel them out the back clean them up it's a bit like doing the dishes yeah, exactly. <laughs> my hands are quite chapped. Look at my nails. Yeah. Look <laughs> at my nails. You really have worked hard. Don't you see journalists getting their fingers dirty? That's it's a, a rare, beautiful thing. That's a rare thing. For most of the 24 hours, we were basically sort of scrubbing away to wash them with a sponge in this cold water on wheels and you turn them around. On and which cars? Both the Astons or three but, yeah, of the Astons? Um, the two LMP1 cars. Yeah. And then you get this weird thing. You know when you're clearing ice off your windscreen with a sort of scraper and on the inside of the rims they get all the uh, marbles and all this rubber yeah. it's, you know some of it pick up yeah, you know more than me because I'm a motorsport not virgin but quite hey. new coming to it yeah. and scrubbing all this stuff away and but over a weekend probably did not quite 100 wheels but well over 50 wow. so did quite a lot actually and of the 24 hours of the race how many of those were you working at when did you sleep what was that pattern like no sleep on, on none, none. No, I'm on about 38 hours of wait now, which is um, not even like five minute micro nap or anything. Mm, can't nap. We watched the Grand Prix. Yeah, yeah. We, we were falling asleep. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> a little sort of. I mean, because Andy Franklin down here was uh, saw my head napping. I think he thought I was uh, sort of checking my mobile phone, but it was. Uh, you were losing it. <laughs> it was the old nod. And how does it feel? It's a real buzz because I'm actually on Car Magazine. I'm one of a few people who's not that into motorsport. In fact, of all people, everyone who's least into it, and um, so it's quite, you know, it's quite weird. I had an outsider's perspective, and really sort of changed my view. Would you do it again? I'd love to do what I've just done again. It'd be fantastic to do that. The whole Aston Martin had a real roller coaster of a ride as well. You know, we thought we were going to get both LMP1 cars mm. to the finish, and then at the end, it was uh, not to be. Yeah, so you know, the emotions were pretty uh, heartbreaking. Yeah. Well, well, for them, that's a bit of a journalist a cliche but I think it was you know yeah, you get lumps in your throat and you see yeah. stuff like that they, they were Every, emotional about it they were really oh you can sense it out there as well there's none of that kind of rivalry getting Formula 1 where there's something unfortunate happens to your rival team if yeah. you like and everyone goes ha ha no one would dream of doing that they, they've been doing it you know, for 23 hours and 10 minutes they were sort yeah. of working hard and they were gonna, so close to it and yet didn't quite do it and they, you know, the drivers were like gutted and That's do you feel personally responsible then? <laughs> well, I think the way I cleaned the wheels was uh, made all the difference for it. <laughs> well, of course not, of course not. But it was uh, great to be part of it, and it really opened my eyes to Le Mans. What a first way to do it. Amazing. And Tim, a 
privilege and a pleasure to share a campfire yeah. with you. Can I say one last thing? Yeah. You guys helped me put my tent up on the first day when there's the world's biggest thunderstorm I've seen for a year. <laughs> and you came to my rescue when it was 9.30, nearly dark. Couldn't get the tent up. Gareth <clears throat> Joe on speed, always ready to help. It's, it's true, we are. It's an engineering thing. We've camped before, you know, we're pretty hardcore these days. But Zog doesn't camp. No. He does Le Mans. Uh, yeah, yeah exactly. This is the only occasion when I'm prepared to sleep on the canvas. It takes this to get me in a tent. I don't camp either. You don't camp either? I don't camp either. But, <laughs> but you Le Mans. But I do Le Mans. There it, it is. It is, yeah. it is special, isn't it? It's a whole different thing. Okay, if it was a feature, it'd be called I don't camp, but I do Le Mans. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Gareth Jones on Speed Interviews. Earlier this year, I went on a trip to the Netherlands to drive the new Toyota Yaris Hybrid, which incidentally I like very much indeed. After driving the car for two days, I was very keen to find out how on earth Toyota had managed to squeeze their Synergy Hybrid drivetrain into a car far, far smaller than the Prius it was originally conceived for. And as luck would have it, the best possible person on the planet was available to ask that question too. None other than the man they call the father of the Prius, Toyota's Hirofumi Yamamoto. Yamamoto-san, you must be very proud of the Yaris Mm. Hybrid because there are a great number of challenges Mm. fitting the hybrid Synergy Drive into such a small platform. How have you achieved that? Well, basically, my first priority to keeping the cabin space and boot space. And then, firstly, my idea, where we put the battery. Battery is bigger. Considering the total capacity, the firstly, we might try to put the battery under the rear seat. And the first step is the location of the battery. And additionally, the engine compartment is limited compared to the uh, Prius and the Auris. And then we are next step choosing the engine and the transmission. Fortunately, vehicle weight is about 300 kilograms less than Prius. And we are possible to choose the more compact one. So is the hybrid synergy drive in the Yaris a greater percentage of the car's overall weight than in the Prius? Maybe the percentage is the same. And the hybrid system is a 42 kilogram less than Prius. And the total vehicle is a 300 kilogram. And then, well, compared to 300 kilogram and 42 kilogram. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> we can do the calculation. I can't do it right now. But yeah. Reducing the size of the components, mm. does that have an effect on how much more efficient mm. the Synergy Drive can be? You're working with smaller batteries or a smaller mm. battery array. Mm. You're working with a smaller transaxle mm. system. Mm. Does that mean that the car is not as efficient as you, as a designer or an engineer, mm. would mm. ultimately like it to be? Basically, no, no match for the, such a question. And we are using the same technology of the Prius. Considering compromising, the, we are not only the technology, but of the my cost. Total cost is very, very limited for the B segment. It's an economy car, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, given no limits on what you could charge for a B mm. segment car, mm. what would you 
put into the Yaris hybrid? Would it have super capacitors? Would it have a different battery? Would it have more advanced yeah. magnets in the yeah, motor? Yeah. Of course, we want to use the lithium battery. To the lithium battery, more spacious and more. If we keeping the same volume, we are more efficiency for the recharging condition. It means that recall to the good fuel efficiency and also the lithium battery and also the transmission system. Some parts change from the Oris and the system. It means that more we are keeping the cost saving. Cost is a big player in this yeah. segment, isn't it? What part would you say does the unique Japanese culture play in achieving miniaturization in engineering in a situation like this? Is it fundamental to Japanese culture? You have a history of miniaturization. It defines Japanese technology. Honestly speaking, the most technology part is the motor system. Basically, motor is making the coil in the original one. Please find that maybe the uh, ma, common marisent circling wire. Coil. 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 Then we change the uh, uh, shape of the coil. The shape of the coil. Oh. Yep, yep. It used to be round, but we flattened it. Mm. To the so the you get a greater surface area exposed as a magnet. の、面積っていうのを最大限にするっていうそういう意味でしょうか。で、一方で、テクニカルポイントビューウィセルフとサッチャニューコイルイザサムメニプロブレムオンアンダーザデベロッピングイザオカーザクラックはサムカッティングザ
そのコントロールしながら大きさあと、まあ、見た目を保って見ていくと、まあ、基本的に同じ考え方だと思います。Well, a bonsai is appreciated not in the big, big garden, but the space is limited, and still the appearance should be beautiful. So that aspect could be understood as something in common in this. This is the first bonsai car, perhaps. A few weeks ago, Richard and I were invited to a posh do at the Victoria and Albert Museum here in London. Where we were told about the commitments to the sponsorship of sport that Jaguar have made in the form of their Jaguar Academy of Sport. We were also given the briefest of flashes of the new Jaguar F Type. Present at the bash was Jaguar Head of Design Ian Callum. So Richard and I cornered him for a few minutes to ask him if being tasked with the job of designing the car that replaces one of the all-time design classics, the E-Type, he arguably had the most difficult job in the world. It's always the shadow behind me, isn't it, the E-Type? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's f- I, I don't feel the pressure. I, re- I don't, honestly don't feel the pressure. The greatest pressure that I feel is from myself and not from... In the shadow of the E type, I'm very aware of the fact it's there. I'm very aware of the fact that expectations are high. But you know, if you create stuff honestly and with integrity, the best you can, you will get a result.、Mm-hmm. And all I can say, in all honesty, that's the best I can do. And if people like it, I'm happy. If the world likes it in 50 years' time, I'll be very happy. Not I'll be around to see that. But that's the way it is. So, what do you do? Do you ignore the heritage? Because Jaguars are very much、no. about modernity these days. Yeah, but E Type was about modernity, wasn't、mm-hmm. it? You、mm-hmm. know, Jaguar was always about modernity, and that's what people seem to misunderstand. And what I've done with my team is really pull out of history what matters in designing and building a Jaguar. And it's not about lines or details or indeed probably shapes, it's actually about fundamentals. It's about it looking exciting and beautiful, it's about proportion. And it's about absolute fundamentals that still prevail today. And XF's got the same fundamentals as the Mark II. I can talk about them to explain to people. I won't, but I can do. And this car will have the same fundamentals as an E Type, which are the same fundamentals as a 120, or indeed probably even an SS100. But entirely different results as a result of the input that comes from, say, today's motor car. The inputs are coming from all sorts of directions. Thousands of them. When Malcolm Sayre designed the E Type, he had a few inputs. He didn't have much legislation to worry about. He probably had a few cost issues to worry about. He had aerodynamics to think about. He didn't worry about package. Anybody over six foot couldn't even get in the thing.、Mm-hmm. You know, so we have to worry about all these things now. So you build a car as a result of all these inputs, and in spite of that, you create something which, in the realm of today's car, is aesthetically pleasing and exciting. Richard here has been advocating that. Jaguar should build modern cars and dispense with walnut for as long as I've known him. Are you of the same? Despite opinion- driving an XJR with a walnut <laughs> dash, which I like enormously,、yeah. but that's one thing. I live in a Victorian house, but if I was、yeah. designing a new house, I wouldn't make it look like mine. That's the thing. It's、no. about it's accepting something for of its time, and then, isn't it? I mean, that's. It's that's- about accepting something of its time. I've just bought a Mark II Jaguar. 
first Jaguar I've ever owned, actually, funnily enough. And I'm going to love that car. I'll love it for what it is. Mm. And you can love that XJ you drive for what it is. It's slightly over time, but you have to design for today. Mm. And I fell in love with the E-Type because it was so modern at the age of, what was I, about seven or eight years old at the time. I loved it because it was modern. And I remember all the people walking around me, my father's friends who all drove Jags. <laughs> that's not a Jaguar. <laughs> you know, and they said the same about the XJ when it came out in 68. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's not a Jaguar. Of course it's a Jaguar. But I saw that as a 14-year-old. I could see it as a Jaguar. And I think 14-year-olds will look at this car and just accept it's a Jaguar. They will never question whether it comes from an E-Type or whether the heritage comes from Jaguar. They will love it for what it is, and that's very important. In the speech that you gave a little earlier on, you bared your soul as a Bowie fan. Yeah. How does Bowie manifest himself in your design? He was original. He thought out of the box. I was incredibly inspired by Bowie. I was at art college at the time. I mean, the two fitted perfectly. I used to dress like him. I know people find that difficult to believe, but I really did. And I wish I still had pictures of it to prove it. That was pretty cool, actually. I used to even wear makeup sometimes, you know? I mean, okay, a bit at parties, I must admit. Bowie was just hugely creative. But the thing that Bowie did, this is what struck me about Bowie, he was creative in a way that people could get and like. Mm. His appeal was instant. There wasn't any kind of question, well, there's too much subtlety in there, I don't quite get that. He was a visionary that people actually could get and understand. And that's what inspired me, and that's what I try and do now. I want to create stuff which is different and new, but people still get it. I don't have to explain it to them. I don't have to say, well, it's because of this, this. If you have to explain something to somebody, you've lost it. So there won't be a tin machine edition of tin the machine. No, no, tin machine, no, no, no tin machine. No, aluminium machine, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> aluminium machine. Is there androgyny in the F-Type? Because Bowie was about androgyny. Is it it a feminine car that guys will like? Is it a masculine car that women will like? Good point. Can you sell? Because this is one of these things. Do you remember Lee Iacocca said that you can sell a young person's car to an old person, but Mm. not the other way around? Which I guess is something that Jag... Yeah, had a with. we had a problem with that, yeah, An old for a little while. XJ. It was a with very a traditional dash, car, although mechanically it was fantastic, as you know, because mm. you drive one. Right. I think cars with sensuality, as long as they're muscular, you can sell to both sexes. I think cars that are too feminine, you cannot sell to men, or indeed some women. And cars that are too masculine, I don't think you can sell to women too easily. So you have to find that balance, but it has that strength of character, that's the main thing. How much do you hate clinics, then? I don't like clinics at all. I really don't. But what we do now in Jaguar is we have more discussion forums, let's call them, where we will talk to customers and we'll listen to them and we'll decide whether what they say is worth listening to or not. But you have to listen to people. There's no harm in that. But I cannot accept that somebody can give me a score and a side view in the front view of a car and they amalgamate the end result to get something which is created by 100 people. It doesn't work. Is there one element, one corner of the F-Time that you are oh, most yes. proud of? What oh, is yes, it? the rear three-quarter. Why? You'll have to wait and see. Ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's gorgeous. <laughs> Gareth Jones on Speed. To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site or follow us on Twitter, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed!